Welcome to Second Win, the podcast where we uncover the stories, methods, and modalities of women and men who have found their purpose while walking this earth. Sometimes they found their second win by accident, sometimes by hardship, and sometimes by intent. There is always something to learn from others and really isn't finding our own purpose what we are all looking for. I know I am. And that's why I'm hosting this very podcast. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire. Thank you for listening and let's get to it. Second Wind, I am so thrilled to bring you this amazing woman today. Her name is Sabrina Victoria. And if you look her up on LinkedIn, this is what you'll read. I have done it over and over again for myself and others. Will you be next? When you add me to your team, I can guarantee to catapult your business forward by creating the structure it so desperately needs. Now, when you see her picture, it exudes confidence and energy, and you can almost feel these like lightning bolts coming through. And it's for good reason. Sabrina has helped thousands find the missing links, the formula, the recipe, so to speak, to and for success. Sabrina is the best kind of expert, in my opinion, because she has been stripped down to nothing and has recreated herself more times than any one person should have to while we're living on this earth in our human form. Her story is like no other. I am so excited to have her share her story. You know, buckle up. This is one of the, <laughs> this is one of the most jaw-dropping storylines I've ever had the privilege of learning about. And I thank you for being so open and honest. It's crazy. And you are such a kind person. So welcome to the podcast, Sabrina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. And, you know, I like to start off with the, what's your second win moment? What triggered you? What was the thing? Was there a thing? And we discussed it and said, there's so many. And each one was so important and pivotal to the next. So let's first start with, what do you do, Sabrina? What are you doing right now in your world? Yeah. So my drive, my passion right now is going towards my all-female community called Her Nation. I am dedicated to building the largest all-female community with a focus on curiosity, authenticity, boldness, confidence, and really pulling women together to learn and teach each other. Yes. And you do that with your coaching business and your mm -hmm. mastermind. Yeah. And the mastermind's really cool. And we'll get back into that in a minute. But let's dive back because a lot of the people who come on the podcast, I would say 70%, have a pretty normal upbringing. And I would say yours was far from the June Cleaver, you know, the four bedroom house, the two kids, the dog, the white picket fence. Let's talk about that. Let's start from where it starts. Yeah, definitely. It's so interesting now looking back because yeah, you know, it's the life that I even have now is not cliche to, to what is normal. But I wouldn't change it for anything because the journey that I've been on and where I'm at now is, wow. I mean, I am the happiest, most confident and certain that I've ever been in my entire life. And it's just crazy. But a little bit about my backstory, because I think I feel like that's just pivotal to the it entire is. journey is yeah. I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. 
And I did. Can you explain, just in case somebody doesn't know what a Jehovah's Witness is, what that means so they can actually wrap their brain around that? Yeah. So Jehovah's Witnesses are a sect of Christianity. They run very black and white. There's no gray. So unlike most Christians, when you are a Jehovah's Witness, everyone is really held accountable to the Bible, basically. So we're known for not celebrating holidays. We're known for not celebrating birthdays. They're known for not saluting the flag, no blood Mm. transfusions. There's a lot of things that they do that are a lot different than, I guess, normal people in society. And uh, one of those things is premarital sex. So there's a hard line on premarital sex. And when I was 20 years old, I ended up pregnant with no husband. So obviously I had sex. So, (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I think it'd be hard pressed to find many 20 year olds these days that have abstained. That's the whole thing. I mean, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it. And that was the same too. Within my friend's circle, they were all having sex and a lot of the women were having abortions. Mm. And this is where my frustration, a lot of my frustration comes from. It's like, if I would have aborted my baby, my entire journey would have been so different than the way it was. But because I decided to keep my baby, I was what's called disfellowshipped or shunned where you lose all communication with your entire family and the entire community. Everything you had ever known was literally stripped away from me within like 72 hours of me announcing that I was keeping my baby. Well, how long was your family in this world? So my parents got converted by the door knocking. Oh my God. So a lot of people make fun of Jehovah's Witnesses for door knocking, but my parents were converted by door knocking. Somebody came to their door when I was about three years old. And by the time I was five, they were baptized. So I've been like within the religion since I was three. Um, So a long time, my whole life. Yeah, your whole life. Yeah. Everything childhood stems around that being your platform. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I ended up pregnant and baby daddy was in the picture at that time. What happened is I had, had my baby and... We started going back to, or not going back, but we started going to the meetings, to the, they're called meetings, not church. Uh, They call them meetings. And my son's father was going with us. And what happened was right around my, when my son was maybe three months old or so, the congregation, the elders in the congregation pulled me aside in a back room and they were like, good job. You're doing such a great job showing up for the meetings. However, you need to either marry your son's father or break up with your son's father. You can't be playing house because it's confusing the congregation. So me in such a desperate state of, we barely have any money. I have been talked to my mom for like a year at this point, no community, no friends, no, like when you go to meetings, no one looks at you. Everyone completely ignores you. You walk in, you sit in the back row, you pay attention, you do all the things in the praying and the standing and all the things, but nobody looks or speaks to you. It's absolutely horrifying. And unless you've done it, you don't really understand how demeaning it is as a human. So they're congratulating me. They're like, good job. You're doing great. You know, keep up the good work. However, when you're trying to like get yourself back into what you knew for some kind of 
safety or security, right? I yeah. mean, gosh, we all want to go home after college for a minute. Yeah. Get our, get our feet sunk back in the reality, maybe. Yeah. yeah. That was the reality. So I was doing my best and they hit me with this thing of my son's father. So I needed to make a decision. And I was just so desperate to get my, my relationship back with God and my family and my friends that I broke up with him because I wasn't in love with him. But I was also kind of stupid because I had no money and I wasn't like thinking straight. And they also didn't help me with that as far as like, hey, here's the pros and the cons. Can you even do this? Let's create a plan. Nothing. And I was just so just naive to the whole thing. So my son's father obviously got super irritated with me. He, you know, it took about a month for us to finally break up because it was just the dynamics of father and me and living and all of this stuff. He left. He was so mad. He just left the state. Just mm. like left. No child support, no nothing. So I'm making like $8 an hour at a full-time job, which is how much it costs for my son to be in daycare, basically. Yeah. So yeah, that my whole life pivoted when I got pregnant, like boom. And then my whole life pivoted, boom, within three months of my son being born, because now I'm all by, literally all by myself with a newborn, with like a little baby. So like suicidal thoughts, my car's getting repoed on the parking lot. I have eviction notices on my apartment door every other month. I'm like digging in my couch cushions for 12 cents to put gas in my car. I have literally no money. Like I have no money. And postpartum, so like I have all these crazy thoughts about my child, but I didn't know what postpartum was because I had no one to ask. So oh like God. literally feeling like I was the worst, most like grotesque mother ever because of just these horrible thoughts that were going through my head. Plus the situation I was in. I mean, it was insane. So I did that for about a year and a half to, I don't even know how I did it. Don't ask. I have no clue how I did this. However, I wound up meeting a man right around that time when my son was like potty training, like one and a half. I don't know. And the man had money. So I was so desperate for attention, so desperate for money that I ignored all the red flags. There was dozens and dozens of red flags within a day of meeting him. Everyone always asks, when did you know? When did you? I knew immediately. On like day oh, you knew immediately he yes. was the wrong guy. Yes. Oh. On like day two, second date in, I was like, this guy is toxic. I didn't know that word at the time, but I knew he was not a good guy. Um, however, just like I had nobody, I had nobody, and so I fell for all the stuff. You know, he asked me to move in with him so I could, you know, save on rents. He presented it as something wonderful. All you do have to do is take care of the house. A few months after that, he's like, quit your job, start working for me. We'll build an empire together. Meanwhile, he didn't tell me that I'd be making it, you know, no money. He's just like, come work for me. We'll build something together. Nothing was under my name. Nothing. I owned nothing. Like just total, totally took advantage of me. I couldn't pay for my phone. So he wanted to take him over, over my phone. I couldn't pay for my car. I wanted to take it over my car. So I have nothing, I have nothing in my name. I owe nothing. I have nothing. The mental abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, and financial abuse was like a times 10. It was insanity. A mm. complete roller coaster of a mess. Gaslighting, manipulation, lying, 
like just heartbreaking. I was crying every single day, but had nowhere to turn, no one to go to, nobody asked questions to, nowhere to go. Did you know, Sabrina, that all these things were happening to you? Or was it a slow kind of uncovering that, oh, wait, this isn't normal? Because, you know, what are you looking at to know what normal is? You've never had a baby with, you know, and then been a mother and then in this situation before. I love that you're saying You don't have any girlfriends. You don't have any girlfriends to bounce shit off of, right? Say, you know, this is what he said to me. And you don't get the, the gasps from your friends, right? Yeah. No one's holding space for you. What do you do? I love that you're saying this normal thing because that was the exact question I would ask myself for years. I would ask myself, Mm. is this normal? Blah, 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 blah. Is this normal? Like that was the question I was asking. But the thing with Jehovah's Witnesses is when you're trying so desperately to get back into the religion, they have a strict rule of you can't talk to people in the religion and you also can't talk to people outside the religion. So even though I have this non-religious boy that I'm talking to, I'm also making sure that I don't get caught out with like workmates or, you know, anything. I was very like secretive about going out and doing things with people because if anybody sees you, you can get in huge trouble. And the probability of you getting back in lengthens. So it takes longer for you to get back within the congregation. So you're literally totally isolated. So this one person that I would hang out with who was a toxic person loved the fact that I was isolated. Loved the fact that my family wasn't there, that I had no friends. This is the type of people that they prey on Mm -hmm. is these type of people. You know, now looking back, I didn't know that at the time. Right. How would you? You, and you don't even know what all these phrases that you like gaslighting. That wasn't even, we didn't even know what that was no. until a few months ago, a year ago. Wow. So really quickly, there was something that you told me. The reason and many women in your situation, the easy thing is to go ahead and have an abortion, right? That's the easy way out. You and the baby daddy at that point had gone to Planned Parenthood. And no matter how you feel about Planned Parenthood now, this was how many years ago? 18? My son's 19. Yeah, so 20 years. 19. Okay, 19 years ago. 20 years ago was a little different then. And you all sat down and watched. They didn't say, go get an abortion. Mm -hmm. They had you watch this like two-hour movie. Yeah. Documentary. Yeah. We watched a movie on, we watched three things which wound up being probably about 20 to 30 minutes, um, abortion, adoption, and having your child. And it was just kind of like an overview of like mental, emotional state, physically what happens, emotionally what happens, financially what happens. And it was Mm -hmm. just like, you know, little 10 minute little videos of, to give us like an overview of what we were deciding. That's so smart. And then you walked out of there and you said, I got to keep this baby. Yeah. It's incredible. That's incredible. I just wanted to share that because as you said, keeping your son changed everything. And there was a reason why you kept your son as you were given the information. Yeah. Which is something that's so incredible about you and why you can do what you do so effectively is because you've, you've got all this information Yeah, from your life experiences. All right. So keep going. So 
you are with this guy, but you never said, how did you meet this guy? I met him at work. Okay. And you were doing very well at work. Let's just, let's just call a spade a spade. You were doing a lot. I was doing as far as the business goes, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and people were looking at you and asking you to do more and more and more. And didn't he look at you and ask you to do more for him? He was a sales guy or something, right? Yeah, that that's that's how he wound up hiring me was because I was doing so well where I was. Granted, the money wasn't equaling what I was doing. Right. Um, however, yeah, I mean, that's why I caught his eye was because of the work ethic. And that's what he wound up abusing is my work ethic. Mm-hmm. So you're with him. Explain the lifestyle that you are you are now plopped into from having eviction notices on your apartment door to what? Comfortable. Mm-hmm. No big money issues. I still had my own money issues. I was still living paycheck to paycheck in my bank account. My credit score still sucked. I was still abusing my credit card. So the way that he did this is when I first started working for him, I didn't have a money conversation with him. When he told me to quit my job and work for him and build an empire, I was like, took a couple weeks for me to be like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll do that with like constant motivation, manipulation, whatever you want to call it. Wound up quitting my job, started working for him and he didn't start paying me. Hmm. I had to ask for the money. So basically what happened is whatever money I had plus credit cards is what I was using to pay for my car, pay for my son, pay for groceries, pay for whatever it was until I literally had zero because I was waiting for him to be like, okay, here's your Give you a check, right? Yeah. 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 So he made me wait till all my money was gone. Again, a sense of this is what they do until you decide to come up and have a conversation with them about, until I decided to have a conversation with him about money. Then at that point, he gave me the bare minimum. He started me out at two fifty a week, which granted no rent, no utilities. Okay. But I still had to pay for my car at that point. I still had to pay for my phone at that point. I was still paying for childcare. I was still paying for all the food, all the toiletries, all the stuff within the house that was needed, tie, toilet paper, paper towels, all that stuff. So I still had zero money at the end yeah. of every month. So I yeah. was still having to use my credit cards for things. I was still, so I was, me personally was still totally in financial devastation. However, I didn't have to worry about losing my house. I didn't have to worry about losing my car. So in that sense, it felt safe for me and my son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this business empire, did you create a business empire? Yeah, we did. I did. Wow. We did. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I met him, uh, he was working out of his house in a little tiny office in his townhouse. And by the time I left him, we had six offices in four different states. And we had five houses paid in full, 12 cars paid in full, zero debt, pulling in a million a year or plus. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So- People would say, all right, that sounds pretty cushy. It was. And I asked you that in our pre-interview. So what made you decide you wanted to leave? I mean, because, I mean, you could drive whatever car you wanted. Yeah, I had a beautiful car. 
I had a brand new white, fully loaded BMW four door brand spanking new. I mean, it was. You could smell the leather. Yeah, this is the thing, though. And this is what tells the tale, right? That is how bad it was. Because I'm not an idiot. Like, I'm not stupid. Obviously, right? Like, obviously, I could have endured a lot of stuff in order to live in a nice house, in order to drive a nice car, in order to have a fancy um, engagement ring on my hand eventually. And all of that was not enough because the mental, emotional, and sexual abuse was so rampant within that relationship that I literally still felt like I was going to kill somebody, kill myself, run away. Like I literally could not do it. It was horrible. No amount of money was worth it. You know what's so funny? One of the turning points, because we're talking about turning points here, one of the turning points within that relationship was one single question he asked me. We were on the road. There were several to leave, but we were on the road one day and there was a big sign. I don't know if you remember, like years and years and years and years ago, it's happened a few times, but there was like a ridiculous lottery amount, like a ridiculous Mm. amount where like everybody in the entire nation was like buying lottery tickets because it was such an insane amount. And they show the numbers, right? On yeah, the billboard. on the billboard. Yeah. And he points yeah. to the billboard and he goes, if you won the lottery, what's the first thing you would do? The first thing that popped into my head is I would leave your ass. Yeah. What did you say then? That's the first thing that popped into my head. So it's obvious I didn't say that out loud. I made up some other bullshit. But that was like a huge thing for me where like the only reason I'm wow. here is because I have no money. If I had money, I would not be here. I hated it so much. That was like immediate. That's what I thought. Not mulling over it for a couple of minutes, not going up and down. Immediately, I was like, I would leave. I hate this. And that was a huge trigger for me as far as like, yeah. what am I doing? I need to get money. And, well, was there another, you said there was a couple of questions. And they all made you then kind of look in the mirror a little differently, huh? Yeah. 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 I mean, there were several. I mean, it was a horrible relationship. I mean, it was awful. So what did you do? Because here's where scrappy Sabrina Victoria comes in. Yeah. 100. I mean, I had to make a plan. So the biggest turning point within that relationship, it was eight years in. I will literally never forget it. I was on the floor, in the bathroom, in the dark, having a total mental breakdown. Now, granted, I had a lot of these, but this was a turning point because of what happened. So I'm on the floor. I'm literally bawling. Like when, you, when you're crying and screaming at the same time and you feel like your soul is like coming out of your body. I don't know if you've ever done that before. I've yeah. had several of those in my life where just I cannot take it anymore. And I pulled out my phone. I was on the floor. I had my phone in my back pocket. I pulled it out. I'm all crying. I'm all dramatic on the floor. And I Googled, why is my boyfriend bullying me? I wanted answers. Like, why is this happening? Why is he being so mean all the time? And bully was the only word I knew. Right. And the entire world of toxic relationships, narcissistic abuse, financial abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse, right? Because I'm not, I don't, I'm not getting raped, 
like how they show it in the movies, but I was getting raped. So like, but the unknowing, I didn't know that like all this stuff was incredibly toxic. But what happened was literally within moments of me reading through like a handful of articles on Google, I literally stood, I like sat up in the bathroom immediately. All the emotion was gone. I was like, oh my gosh, this is insanity. This is my life. This is exactly what is happening to me to a T. It was the, you found the article that said, or the Google thing that said the 19, what was it? The 19 characteristics of, of a person with narcissism. Yeah. He had all 19. Every single one of them. Yeah. 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 And you just said, oh my God. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And what was so cool about it is it finally, I recognized that yes, me, yes, me, and he has issues. <laughs> so, right. so listen, instead of mulling around on like him, 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 all the things, all the things, all the things, which is what a lot of women do. They're like, oh, Being he's a, a narcissist and it's his yeah. problem. His, what I did right. is I turned it on me and I said, I need to get my shit together. I need to get my yeah. power back. I need to find money. I need to get out of this relationship because according to what I'm reading, I'm waiting around for him to change. He is never going to change ever. Right. And that's okay. That's what we have to realize. That's okay. But like, what are we specifically doing? And literally within days, weeks, months, I had an entire plan set up. I opened up a secret bank account. I slowly opened up three online businesses and over the course of four years, I collected $50,000 and and ran away. I left with my son, our clothes, and my bicycle. That's all I had. I left everything else. I left everything else. Now, wait. Now, wait. There's a key point here. You were raising money, and then you had to spend it yeah. as fast as you raised it. Yeah. Can you share why? Because, I mean, you would save twenty grand, but then you'd have to pay twenty grand. Yeah. So there was two incidences during this time. And I, I don't tell this story very often, but I, I think that I need to start telling it more because a lot of times when I say I save 50 grand and then I ran away, people are like, okay, cool. Let me try to save 50 grand. And then all this shit happens. And then they're like, I can't do what she did. That is not how the story went. So no, you kept getting tested and yes. tested and tested. Yeah. You had to be really sure and just put your head down and keep going. Yeah. Yeah. When I saved six grand my first year, I was so excited. And then he came up behind me when I was looking at my bank account. I kept it open for a little too long because of ego. I wanted him to see that I was capable of making money because in our entire relationship, he made it seem like I was stupid and dumb and did nothing for the business. Even though I was running the business, he would always take all the credit for what was happening. And Mm. I wanted him to see like, see, I can do it. See, I did do it. See, it is me. I am capable. And stupidly, he saw the money and he stopped paying me my little tiny allowance that he was giving me. So that little bit of money that he was giving me was helping me pay for this, pay for my living expenses. And then the extra money I was making with my businesses is what I was saving. And he got so irritated. He stopped that little 250 a week 
And yeah, so I had to use what I had already made, but I'm like, let me just keep going. It was a hiccup. Let me just keep going. I'll do it again. I saved for another, it kept going two years later. I had like $13,000 saved up. I call my son's father. I'm ready to leave. I'm already looking at apartments. And I call my son's father. I'm like, hey, listen, just so you know, we're leaving this summer. Like I'm out, but I'm going to need your help. I'm a little nervous. He still wasn't paying for me child support at this time, mind you. No child support, zero money. He was taking them more often, but no money. So he, he's like, yeah, sure. hundred percent girl power. You're awesome. And then a couple of weeks later, he calls me up. He's like, hey, let, let me take our son on a camping trip. I would love to take him camping. And I was like, cool, that would be great. Yeah, 100%. And he took him on a camping trip and then never gave him back. Mm-hmm. Just ran away with him. Yeah, he came back into your son's life right when the son, you know, you've helped this child have a personality. He's super cool. He's this awesome awesome kid. Yep. And now here comes dad like, oh, exactly. he's got a fun to hang out with. <laughs> exactly. 100. And here he shows up and he takes him. Yeah. So that was a whole year. And if anybody has ever gone through child custody or gone through divorce, your mind is in a fog the entire time. You're just messed up. You just can't even function as a person. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to function as a person, deal with this individual who's mentally, emotionally, sexually, and financially abusing me still trying to make money in this side business to overcompensate for like all the money my lawyer is taking in order to like get my kid back and go through this whole custody battle. Cause he was trying to take them full time and oh um, $18,000. So now at the end of a year, not only do I have no money, but now I'm in debt. The last payment I made to my lawyer was through my credit card. Cause I would, it was just spewing out money everywhere. Mm. So I'm in my car again, another turning point. I will never forget. I'm in my car. I have this 17 page document, the child custody document of like, he can have them on the holidays. Every other cost me 18 grand to get that piece of paper, those pieces of paper. And I'm just like, the universe hates me. I'm being punished. God hates me. I'm a sinner. All these things, all these like limiting beliefs of like, I'm never going to make it. I'm destined to live with this person for the rest of my life. This is my punishment for being a horrible woman, a horrible daughter, a horrible Christian, whatever it is, all these things. And I'm bawling my eyes out because I'm so tired. I'm so freaking tired. And I'm doing all the things. Tony Robbins says, do it. Les Brown says, do it. Lisa Nichols says, wake up and do it. Mel Robbins do it. So I'm doing these things. I'm like, I'm doing all the things you're telling me to do. And the universe will not let me win. Right. And I had to make a decision. Am I going to do this again, again, or am I just going to give up? And just, this is my life because people live in abusive relationships. They do. People live in relationships where they get beat. I wasn't getting beat. I was never, I was never hit. He never smacked me around. He would punch walls. He would throw things. He would whip things. He, all the things, but never at me. These are the things that were going through my head of like giving up. Well, that's not so bad, right? Now it's like, well, it could be worse. Yeah. It could be worse. I have a beautiful car. I have a beautiful house. My son is guaranteed to be able to get into college you know, he promised he he was going to pay for his college. That was already a conversation we had had. And all I had to do was just 
keep my mouth shut, close off all my feelings and just be a robot. And I could live like this. I could, Mm -hmm. I could live like this if I just went on Xanax or something and just void of all emotion. I could have done it. And I thought to myself, no, I'm going to keep trying. Why? Because I didn't want to 10 years, 15 years later, turn around and think, what if I would have just tried one more time? What if I just would have done it one more time? Could I have gotten free? I didn't want that regret. I didn't want that what if. I didn't want anything hovering over me. And I'm getting older. You know, my son is getting older. The testosterone is going to start coming in at some point. Then I'm going to have two freaking, (laughs) holy crap. And what a disservice to my son. What a disservice to my son. So I cleaned up my tears. Literally, I was in the car. I'm having a total breakdown. And then I'm like, you know what? I cleaned up my tears. I backed out of the parking lot. And I kept rolling on full speed ahead. And at this point, I'm make, now I'm making child support because my son's father totally screwed himself because he did all of this. Now, finally, the, the judge made him pay child support. So now not only my business, I'm on, I'm on point with my business. I'm making my little measly money with my abuser. And then I'm making child support within one year. I was able to collect $31,000 and literally just one random day in June picked up my son clothes, bicycle started all over again with the mattress on the floor in a new place. That is so incredible. And you, you, you were so smart. You got it. Like you just started randomly taking clothes mm-hmm. and things to a storage unit. Yeah. Like you were super stealthy yeah. about it and you had to be. You had to be. Yeah. And that's a big thing that a lot of women have is this loyalty thing. Like it's, it's, it's unfair. It's unloyal. It's dishonest. You're a liar. You do. You do have to do that. You do have to lie. You do have to say you're somewhere and you're somewhere else. You do have to say, I don't know where those where those shirts are, those socks are, or why the closet's looking emptier than it did three months ago. You do have to say that you do have to do things that aren't. But you have to remember they're being disloyal, rude, disrespectful to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to me that you decided earlier on, wait, the first wave of this, that you weren't going to be the victim mm. and you weren't just going to blame him for everything mm. and, and then not change him. And that's one of the biggest things I think we as women ought to learn is, and we as human beings, we can't change people and we're not here to do it, right? Yeah. We're only here to find our purpose our reason, our, our gifts Mm -hmm. and share them with others. If we focus on that, which is exactly what you did. Mm -hmm. One thing I have a question on that maybe people listening would have a question on is you, you, you allude to these businesses that you were doing on the side and one of them had created some money, which got you in trouble. But what were these businesses that you were doing online? Cause you would look them up, right? What does a single mother do to bring in more money? Like you just said, how do I do this? How did Google? Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. 
you know, when I Googled that, why is my boyfriend bullying me? It opened up this yeah. whole other world of like, I can Google any question that I have to answer any yeah. question that I have. So Google became like my safety line. It became my community, basically, of all of my inquisitiveness, all of my curiosity. So yeah, you know, when I first started saying like, I need money to get power, you know, one of the things that my abuser used to say to me is whenever I'd start getting mouthy or, you know, anything that he considered inappropriate, he would always say one of two things. He'd say, whoever has all the money has all the power. Do you mm. have it? Do you have any money? Nice. I'd say no. So I have no power. The other thing he would say is, whoever makes all the money makes all the rules. Do you make any money? No. So therefore, I can't make any rules. God, that's so painful. Wow. It was so, and imagine at a heightened level where your emotions are like all over. This is said when we're in the middle of arguments and in order to shut me up, this is what he would say to me. It's like, it's more than disheartening. I mean, it makes you want to just fall to your knees. Yeah. Consistently yeah. all the time, even just thinking about it. But anyways, I knew I needed money. I thought to myself, does this mean, because he would always say whoever, he never said I, he never said I have all the money, therefore I have all the power. He would always leave it open-ended. Oh. Open He'd be like, whoever, do you have any? Interesting. So I started to think, wait a minute, does that mean that if I have money, I have power? Does that mm -hmm. mean that if I have money, I can make some rules? So I did like a little experiment. Let's just see. Let's see what would happen if I had money. And lo and behold, I recognize that when you have money, you do, you feel more powerful. You feel more confident. You do have the ability to move and to leave and to have opinions because mm -hmm. this is how he was holding me captive. Oh my gosh. So what were these businesses that you landed on? Yeah, the very first thing that I did, you know, like you said, I Googled what are the businesses for single moms, what are the businesses for stay-at-home moms, even though that's not what I was, you know, I was running a business full-time. Yeah. Don't forget, you were also you were also working more than full-time while he was playing golf so that you could move these businesses forward and make them be the multi-million dollar businesses that they were. Yeah. Yeah. I was working yeah. 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week. Jesus. to run his company. Yeah. So I started, the first thing I started was eBay. It was the easiest one. I could do it super covertly. And all I would do is just minutes throughout the day, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour. When I had free time, when he wasn't around hovering over me, I would take pictures of clothes, toys, books, you know, hair things, jewelry, and I would list them up on eBay. And I had goals. So my goal when I first started was 10. I had to get 10 a week, just 10 items a week. And over the course of two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, that's 40, 50, 60, 70 items. And it just keeps multiple. Then I get better and then I get faster and then I get more efficient. I wound up having like a little retail store in the trunk of my car where I had tape and packaging stuff and oh my God. fluffy, you know, the fluffy things and whatever, kind of like in a little box on the side. So it wasn't like super obvious, but if he saw it, it would just be like, oh, it's just packing material for, for like for the business. Stuff. You don't know anything about because I'm running it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's how I first started making my money. And then soon after that, I got onto Fiverr.com, which I did freelance stuff. I did videos for website design. I did reviews, testimonials, products, product reviews for things. 
And then soon after that, I, you know, I got into personal development. I wound up getting certified in my very first company. My very first company that I opened was Pure Aspirations. And it was all like yoga, clean eating. I was vegan at that time. So it was recipes and how to lose weight type stuff. So between those three things, that was generating, you know, 10, 20, 100, $300 here and there. Well, and let's talk about this one. There was one thing constant through your life that we didn't mention, and I think it's worth mentioning, is that you always had your physical fitness mm-hmm. and health were very important to you. And I believe that if you have that as part of your routine, part of who you are, it gives you strength. Yeah. It gives you strength in all kinds of situations and in life. Yeah. And you always had that. You were like the hot mama, you know, obviously he wanted to keep you around. What's obviously. So, so I think what's really, before we talk about how we, how all that wraps into making you as fabulous as you are, how did he find out you were gone? Because that's kind of interesting. Yeah. This was one of the most powerful days I have had up to this point. Yeah. I had opened up a, st- a secret storage unit at this point. And at this point, I actually, that's a lie. I had closed oh. down my secret storage unit because I already had a place. Oh, okay. So I was still living with him. I was waiting for my son to go to his dad's over the summer. Part of the custody thing was he got to, he went to his father's for almost the entire summer. I didn't want this whole eruption to happen with my son there. So I had come across this crazy thing that happened as far as me being able to get this place. The story is just insane. But anyways, I wound up getting it like two or three months ahead of when I needed it. Doesn't matter. So I had a place for three months while still living with my abuser. I was like putting it together. I was showering over there. All my clothes were over there. I mean, I had a whole place set up, mattress on the floor. And also, side note, I had moved out of his room and was living in the guest room. So we argued every single day, multiple times a day. So I used one of those arguments to get out of the master. I was just like, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. It's all part of the plan. But I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm living in, I'm going to the guest room. He didn't even put up a fuss. He didn't even care. So I wanted mm-hmm. to all of my stuff into the guest room. But, what, but the reason I did that was because then I could slowly move my stuff out of the guest room into, out, out of my, out into a new place. So one day, He's home alone. I'm out working at the office. I was not at the office. I was at the container store buying stuff for the office to um, organize this shelving unit thing that we were putting together. Anyways, he calls me up and he starts swearing at me. He's like, what the hell? Horrible. And I start laughing. because I knew You start exactly, laughing? I knew exactly what he was talking. I knew exactly wow. why he was calling me. I knew exactly. I knew exactly. So basically what happened is he had run the robo vac and he had opened up my door, opened up my son's door. We had a Jack and Jill. So I was like Jack and Jill with my son. We were sharing, I was sharing a bathroom with my son and he had opened up the doors to run the robo vac. This is how narcissistic he is as far as pays no attention to anybody except for himself. I had emptied out my son's entire room minus the furniture, everything, 
and my entire room. And he never even noticed for months. So he ran though. He was running the robot back. He opened up our door, our closet doors to get in. There's no clothes in the closets, no toys. No, there's empty, like a brand new house would be empty. So he calls me up. He's like, what the hell? Where are you going? What's going on? There's one dress in your, which is what I was wearing the next day in your closet. What, what come home right now? Oh my gosh. This is unbelievable. I can't believe you're doing this to me. All this stuff. I was literally laughing on the phone with him. Wow. Of laughter. And I'm like, no, I'm working. Like I'm, I'm trying to do something right now at the office. Like I'm trying to organize this thing. I'm buying the stuff. I have a cart full of things. I'll come home when I can. Like I'm not, I'm trying, I'm building a business here. Mm. So I literally went about my day. So calm. Wow. Again, this is the money power. I, I had power. So everything he said, as far as whoever has all the money, has all the power. I felt that that day. I felt it that day. Like it didn't Mm -hmm. matter. He could literally call me up and he could be like, get out of my house, get out of my office, never see me ever again. F you. And I would have been totally fine. There was no fear. Wow. No fear. So powerful. So I literally went about my day. I went to the, I went to the office. I set up this new thing for this late, this new person we were hiring. And then I went back to the house probably like three hours later. He was blowing up my phone the whole time, text messaging, pictures, voicemails, calling every minute on the minute. Desperate. Yeah. So I come back and I'm like, Hey, what's up? Super calm, super chill. And he's freaking out. And, um, like, yeah, it's just not going to work. Like, sorry. I'll still work for you if you want, but I'm just not. And then that the argument escalated and I said, you know what? I don't even want to see you at all. I'm good. So I took my dress, my clothes, and I got on my bicycle. I left my BMW keys on the thing. Oh my God. I left my computer on the thing. I left my phone. Did you plan on that to have your bicycle to ride to the next? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So I left my computer, which I had already swiped. I was already planning on leaving because it was, the summer was coming. Like summer was here. That's why my son's room was totally empty because he had left. Like, like I was going to be doing it within weeks. So I was just saying I had my computer cleared already. I already had my second phone. Um, I already had the car detailed so he couldn't complain about anything. I was just waiting for a good time, just getting all my ducks in a row calmly. And like maturely without any, and it was such a wonderful transition. Like I'm so proud of myself the way I did it all. And I literally just dropped it all and the site, it's the side table. He was, he was like dumbfounded. He couldn't even believe what was happening was happening. And yeah, I got on my bicycle with my dress. I had my dress, pair of shoes, a little grocery bag for my hair products that I had there. And my bike and rode away, rode away on my bicycle. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well now here you are. So tell us, how did that all make this? You know what? The pivots have been insane to get to where I am now. There's one consistent. The consistent is community networking and collaborations. So during the toughest time, you can clearly see throughout the entire journey, the thing that I was missing was community. 
I had nobody to ask questions. I had nobody to turn to. If I would have had a close knit anything, it could have been friends. It could have been anybody to ask these questions to, to be inquisitive. My story, my journey would have been a lot shorter or wouldn't it have happened at all. Who knows? So everything I do now revolves around one mission or one question, I guess, one statement. The statement is, you know something that I don't know, and I know something that you don't know. And the only way for us to rise in our knowings as humans is to get into a room and to share our stories, our experiences, and our ideas. And when we start to do that, we educate the people around us in certain areas, like with you, with this podcast, you're allowing me to share this story, which then in turn can be heard by somebody who's enduring a relationship like this, has no idea they're enduring a relationship, a situation, a money, whatever it is. And this could be the aha moment of them being like, oh my gosh, what? Exactly. Had no idea because we're sharing our stories, our ideas and our experiences. Totally agree with you. So let's talk about your business. And you decided to do that right off the bat, right? Yeah. The very first program that I, granted, I had programs in the health and wellness arena. When I first left him, my first like mental personal development package was, or program was how to leave your husband in 365 days. It was my blueprint. And how I was able to leave all the organization and structure. Oh my God, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, because it was so smooth. The way the entire, even despite the whole like losing the money, it was so smooth because I continued to write. I continued to plan. I continued to pivot consistently, daily, weekly. Okay, what next? What next? What am I missing? Where are the holes? I stayed focused and all the way to the end. And literally, it was so smooth. That was my first program. And yeah, you know, it, it's fluxed from there. It's, it's been a whirlwind of, of all sorts of things. So give us an example of, of a client. And I know you've helped thousands. Mm-hmm. But are there any that I'm sure you have many that have had, or if not all, have had some really great success Is there one in particular that spoke to you, your soul, like, yes, I was part of this? Yeah, definitely. There's a ton. You know, the the ones that hit me the hardest up to this point where I am in my career is the narcissistic abuse. You know, when I first got into coaching, I don't really coach in that arena anymore. But when I first got into coaching really empowering women to view themselves differently, to let go of those limiting thoughts, to be able to leave relationships or find their voice again, find their power again, is some of the most emotional and beautiful transformations that I have seen within the coaching realm, for sure. Because that hits so home, that that hits home so much. And just being able to relate when I hear, and I'm just like, oh, I get it, girl. Because when there's no physical abuse, you sound like an idiot telling stories. You know, like I'll tell stories sometimes of some stuff that happened. And from an outsider, it just sounds like I'm being super dramatic. But people can't 
read into like the consistency, the hourly, the weekly, the tone, the the facial ridiculousness that's happening within the story. I mean, you can't describe narcissistic abuse. You can describe violence. Yeah, you're right. It's intangible, really. Yeah, it really is. So unless you're really speaking to somebody who has gone through it on a deep level for years, it's kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds bad. Cool. I'm glad you left. But like, (laughs) well, nobody knows what to say, right? Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. But when you say like, he punched me in the face and my you know, I split my, and here's my scar. You're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But with narcissistic abuse, it's kind of like, oh yeah, that sucks. That's a very good segue. How did you kind of get through this and not have, I mean, you have scars, Mm. obviously, Yeah. but how are you able to not relive them? Yeah. It's a, it is time. You know, there's this whole like time Time. doesn't heal and time does heal this whole, it is, it takes time, but you also have to be working on yourself. You have to be incredibly self-aware. You have to be able to apologize to the people in your life because triggers are a real thing. When I Mm -hmm. first started dating my fiance, he would ask a normal question to me. The normal question he would ask me that every couple asks, where are the keys? (laughs) Yeah. 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 But when I got asked, where are the keys in my 15 long relationship? It was, where are the keys? You lost them. Even if he lost them, you lost them. And because the keys aren't found, even if we had the second set, we would not leave to wherever we were going until we found the missing set. Sometimes it would take five minutes. Sometimes it would take 30 minutes. Usually he lost them. Sometimes I did. Didn't matter though, because it's like, well, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you? But then what would happen is the duration of the day was now 30 minutes behind. Therefore, Mm. we wouldn't skip going to the post office to get to whatever it is on time. We would still go to the post office so that he could continue to tell me because of you losing the keys or you not reminding me about the keys or you not doing the laundry because the keys were in my pocket and you should have had already done the laundry. Now we're going to be going to this late, which makes us late for this, which makes us late for this. And it's all your fault. So the entire day now was, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. And now I'm hungry, but we can't eat because you lost the keys and you didn't do the laundry. It's all your fault. And then the next day it would turn into, you know, Hey, make sure you put the keys where they belong. Cause I don't want the same thing to happen yesterday. And Hey, make sure that you do this because remember that one time when you didn't do the laundry and that one thing of losing the keys would turn into a two week stab fest of how I didn't do it correctly. So when my fiance would be like, Hey, where are the keys? I would immediately be like, oh, F you, you suck. I would go into total defense mode like a psychopath because this is what my whole, like a very long time, 15 years is a long time to have to go through something like that. And my fiance would just be like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, 
And I'd break up with him. I'd be like, that's it. You know, if you don't think I'm an organized person and I'm not organized for you, then I'm not the woman for you. And I just be like, get out. You're we're done over keys. Right. Over missing keys. And that's not me. That was the trigger. That was the inner child. That was like the past me's coming up to defend the current me. So what I really had to work on was inner child work has been transformational for me as far as like, I am every year that I've ever been. I am a one-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 22-year-old, a 29-year-old, a 36-year-old, a 39-year-old. I have all those me's inside of me. And every single Sabrina lived a year and they endured stuff. They endured really hard things where they wanted to give up. They wanted to run away. They wanted to commit suicide. They wanted to drink until they were numb. By the way, I'm sober 17 years. They wanted to do drugs. They wanted to to just leave the planet. And every single one of them stuck with it. Every single one of them got up the next day. Every single one of them showed up with a positive attitude. And because of them, I am here, not because of me. And once you come to that realization of this is not for me, this is for them, for a thank you, for I give you gratitude, for I appreciate you allowing me to be here today and for trusting that I would educate myself and I would come across the knowledge and I would work hard and I would stand tall one day and we would have power one day and we would have confidence one day. They trusted that I would do that for us. And now I have an obligation. I have a duty to make sure that I show up with power and with confidence every single day in my world to say thank you to them. And it's taken a really long time to get to that. But whenever I feel that trigger, it's not me. It's one of them and they're scared and they're frightful and they don't know what to do and they don't know what to say. So they come out with anger or they come out with silence or they come out with crying or whatever it is. It's now my responsibility as me to say, hey, 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 26-year-old Sabrina who had trauma in this area, everything is fine because now me here presently, I am now educated in this area. I now know how to communicate correctly and lovingly and dearly with passion and we can handle this and everything's going to be okay because we've gone through hard things and we can go through more hard things and I can quiet her and I can calm Mm. her. And I can tell her to go back and sit down and and relax because she already did her time. And now it's my time to show up for her and taking a lot of work. Gosh, no one's explained it as well and as heartfelt as, oh my gosh, I got like weepy when you did. Thank you. (laughs) Explained it like that. But that is really, and every time I talk to people who, who are helping victims of trauma or doing readings or doing hypnotherapy, things like that. It really does come back to all these experiences as a child in these different areas. I love how you put that all together. And if we can all kind of try to wrap our brains around that, that we are the cumulative and we're like the mothership now and the mommy ducky and we're putting all the little, just stay in line. Yes. Get behind me. I got you. Yes. Then you're good. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That was great. Oh my gosh. Exclamation point. Boom. When people come to you, what are you doing for them? How are you helping? 
So my specialty that I, that is like my niche, I guess you would say is time management organization. And I believe that that's what got me out of all the situations that I was in is very meticulous. I'm very calculated with time and what that means and what that looks like. So everything that I do, all the coaching that I do, all the programs that I do always come back to holding yourself accountable, making sure that you're staying focused I'm watching your energy levels. So where is your energy throughout the day and making sure that when you have your peaks of energy, those are the time periods of when you're going hard mentally and emotionally. And then this word procrastination, you know, I, I speak a lot on that as far as, you know, we have a lot of heaviness, especially as females, because we're doing so many things all the time in all the areas, especially for entrepreneurs and we go on social media or we look at other people and we're like, how are they doing more than what we're doing? And I just want to sit on the couch and want to watch Netflix. I'm such a procrastinator. I'm so lazy. And this whole idea of everybody procrastinates all the time with all the things, the, the definition of procrastination is just not doing something. So like, we're always not doing something right now. You and I are not doing right. something. We're not doing something. Yes. Correct. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. If you break it down like that, it's like, oh, okay. That is what it is though. So like we have to set that aside. Like you're not lazy. You're not a procrastinator. It's just, where's your peak energy? That's all you have to remember. Where's your peak energy? And are you focusing on the things that matter during the peak energy? Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. It's, are you using your peak energy wisely? So whatever that is, some people are morning people, some people are night people, some people, I don't know, lunchtime people. And you help organizations kind of craft that. Yeah. To propel them forward yeah. with processes. Processes. Yep. Processes yeah. and systems. Yep. That's huge. So where can people find you? How do they find you? Because who doesn't want to work with you? I mean, come on. The energy, the experiences, the, the real rawness of understanding at such a basic human level is what you have. Thank you. My website is sabrinavictoria.com. And that's where everything that I do is. So all of my communities that I run, all my social media, everything is in that one spot. So anything that you are curious about, um, it's a very simplistic website to take you to all the areas. And your mastermind? Share a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, my passion, my love, where I spend the most amount of time is in my mastermind. I host female entrepreneurs who are looking to go next level, expand their business. We cover everything from social media, sales, closing, marketing, Mm. networking, all the things that you need in your business to get you to the next level. And then plop on top the fact that we're networking together and you're working with other like-minded females who are also striving to do the same thing. And then being able to exchange stages and podcasting and ideas about how we're running our business, any questions or any hiccups you're having. You have a a mastermind of women who have been there, who can assist, help, give their input to be able to really help each other rise. Oh, I love that. That might've helped me when I started the podcast. Just saying. I love it. So obviously I'm going to reach out to you. This is fantastic. Sabrina, you are such a wonderful soul, such a special gifted human so glad you're walking the planet right now and that you you gave me some time and second wind listeners some time today because time is so valuable and you've been very flexible with me and dying cats and restaurant work i'm like i can, can we make it a half an hour i have to bed i have to go to the vet with this kitty that's dying but i'm not going to put her to sleep yet and blah 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 and you've been you've just been amazing and i i thank you so much i just love you as a person you are amazing and 
I am very grateful for your time today and your, and your story. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you too. And thank you for holding the space. I mean, without podcasts like this, where we can share our story, the story wouldn't get out. So it's definitely yeah. a teamwork when it comes to that. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.